Good morning again, everyone. I hope everyone's doing well. If you're our guest this morning, welcome. Thanks for worshiping with us. We're so glad you decided to join us today. Uh, before I jump into the message, uh, I wanted to share a couple of uh, things with you. Um, I wanted to give us an update on uh, Milford Advocacy for the Homeless. When we A few months ago, we took an offering, and I never updated you kind of like what we were able to do. Um, we were able to, in one offering, raise $3,000 for Milford Advocacy for the Homeless. Yeah, give it up. And with that money, they were actually able to uh, get, a, get a bus. They needed to get a bus, and they were actually able to take that and put it towards getting a bus. And like now they have the bus that they need to be able to serve the homeless community in Milford even better. And so... Um, I'm just blown away at your generosity with that. Again, Dylan just talked about it, but I'm talking about it again. Your generosity, it, it's, it, it's like going to change our community. It's, it's not just for the church. It's not just so we, we can have cool things. It's, it's so we can actually change people's lives, and, and your generosity is a big part of that. So thank you guys so much to being faithful to what God um, called you to, spoke to you, that kind of thing. Good Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, the next thing, really quickly, Dylan mentioned uh, gifts for Father's Day. The gifts that we're giving out, actually, uh, they're leftover from last year. I had new gifts that I ordered, but production was delayed, so they didn't make it on time. So actually, I'll have the, the Father's Day gifts for all the fathers in the room next Sunday. So may, you got to make sure you come back. So make sure you come back so you can get a Father's Day gift um, next Sunday. So we uh, are in our series, Romans, a letter from the Apostle Paul, where we've been walking verse by verse through the book of Romans to understand what Paul was talking about when he wrote his letter to the Romans. And uh, we are in the final part of the letter. He's saying his farewell. He's saying goodbye. And, and I've uh, entitled these last messages the Apostle Paul's valediction, uh, and that's just a, a final farewell. And this is part three, pa- the Apostle Paul's valediction, part three. And uh, before, before I dive into the scriptures, though, I wanted to share a story with you. There once was a boy. His name was Ryan. This, uh, this is a true story. Uh, when I was 18 years old, I thought I was a full-on adult. I did. I had pretty close to a full-time job, Um, so I made my own money. I had my own vehicle that I paid for. I paid for all the insurance. I paid for all the gas. I'm pretty self-sufficient, you know. Um, The only thing I didn't pay for was a measly little food and shelter, right? Like, I still live with my mommy, so. Um, But other than that, I was an adult, okay? I was an adult, and that's how I saw it, but my mom didn't see it that way. She, She didn't see me as an adult, um, the way she saw it is that if I still lived under her roof, then I was a kid that needed to follow her rules. And so um, I can remember one night I uh, wanted to go out with my friends. And so she, she, you know, she said that was cool. And um, she gently reminded me that my curfew was midnight. And I acknowledged the lame curfew and uh, went on my way doing my thing. And um, it was about 11.30 p.m. that night where I decided I was having way too much fun and I didn't want to leave. So I made the decision as an adult that I was going to change my curfew um, and I wasn't going to go home. And I didn't call my mom because she would have just, we would have argued and she would have, 
<laughs> she would have uh, told me to come home, and I didn't want to hear all that, so I shut my phone off. Uh, as a parent now, I, s- I see the error in my ways, but at the time, I didn't, so I shut my phone off, uh, and I kept hanging out. Well, I decided around 3 o'clock in the morning that it was time to go home because I was tired, so I, I go home thinking my mom's going to be asleep, and I pull up um, to, to my, my house, and there she is in the doorway waiting for me, and uh, the fear of God entered my life, uh, that, and that was before I even knew Jesus, and um, so I walked in the house, and I found out just how much of an adult I wasn't, and she proceeded to yell at me like I've never heard anyone yell before, I mean like guttural, like, you know, like, I mean seriously, like, I heard things come out of my mom that I'd never heard before, and um, I was genuinely scared in that moment. Um, When my 17-year-old will conflicted with the the will of a worried mother, there was fireworks, and and, um, and I ended up losing that battle, right, because I was the kid, and I needed to yield to what my mother wanted. Have you ever experienced that before? Maybe is it? a really similar situation where you, you had this conflict of will with your parents where you wanted one thing and your parents wanted another thing um, and, and it just, you just butted heads over it because you wanted your, your way, they wanted their way and, and there was this clash of wills going on. Or maybe, maybe it's actually with your boss. Maybe you think things at work should be done a certain way and your boss wants things done a different way and, and like there's a tension there. That happens. That happens to all of us. It happens every day. What about uh, uh, maybe, maybe there's a difference uh, between like what you want and what your spouse wants in your marriage, in your family, and, and like when your wills clash, when, you're, when your will with, clashes with your spouse's will, like it gets ugly. Maybe that's your situation. What about in your relationship with God? What about when your will clashes with God's will? What do we do then? Have, has your personal will ever clashed with God's will? What does it mean to live in God's will? What, is it, what does it even mean? Why should we live in God's will? Today, I want to talk about the will of God and what it has to do with us. But before I dive into the scriptures, let's pray again. God, thank you. Thank you for this word, uh, this, this uh, day today. Thank you for your word. Thank you, uh, God, that it's going to it's going to go, go forth, and it's going to change me from the inside out today. I pray, God, that, that my heart would be open to the truth, and I pray, God, that you would have your way today. We love you. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Um, if you have your Bibles today, you can open them up, turn them on to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, we're starting in verse 23. Now remember, we are in um, the, the final uh, part of Paul's letter to the Roman church, and he started off his letter, the first eight chapters of the letter was um, uh, uh, about doctrine. This is how we should think about God, right? And then uh, from uh, basically uh, chapter 9 to chapter 14 was this is practical application of everything he just taught us. And now we're in the farewell well stage where he's saying goodbye, and, and he's kind of um, doing that, he's wrapping it up. And this is where we, we pick up from where we left off last week. Verse 23, but now I have finished my work in these regions, and after all these long years of waiting, I'm eager to visit you. I am planning to go to Spain, and when I do, I will stop off in Rome. 
And after I have enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, you can provide for my journey. Why did he want to go to Spain? Why did he want to go to Spain? It wasn't for the food, right? It wasn't to run with the bulls. It wasn't like to like lounge on the beaches, right? The, the beautiful beaches. It wasn't any of that. He was called to preach the gospel to Gentiles who had never heard the name of Jesus. And he knew that Spain was a region where Jesus had never been made known. And so that's where he was headed. Every decision the Apostle Paul made was made through the filter of the call on his life. Every decision. Every decision he made was made through the filter of the call of God on his life. Verse 25, but before I come, I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. For you see the believers in Macedonia and Achaia have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. They were glad to do this because they feel they owe a real debt to them. Since the Gentiles receive the spiritual blessings of the good news from the believers in Jerusalem, they feel the, le the least they can do in return is to help them financially. So this is one of the marks of a disciple of Jesus. This is one of the marks of a disciple of Jesus. When you're a part of, uh, of a church that Jesus established, right? You know, the, the, the church that Jesus built on a rock that, that the, hell, the gates of hell won't prevail against it, that kind of church. When you're a part of that kind of church, um, the willingness to give and share is something you eagerly participate in. The willingness to give and share is something you eagerly participate in. Verse 28, as soon as I have delivered this money and completed this good, uh, this good deed of theirs, I will come to see you on my way to Spain. And I am sure that when I come, Christ will richly bless our time together. Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because of your love for me given to you by the Holy Spirit. Pray that I will be rescued from those in Judea who refuse to obey God. Pray also that the believers there will be willing to accept the donation I am taking to Jerusalem. So according to um, biblical scholars, there was much resentment among, uh, among everyone in Judea because of the work Paul was doing. So before, before Jesus, Jews and Gentiles hated each other. They hated each other. And and the death and resurrection of Jesus like kind of changed all that because the death and resurrection of Jesus included Gentiles in the family of God. And so Paul understood this and he's working to, to reach Gentiles now, but not everybody saw it that way. And a lot of people resented Paul for the work that he was doing. And so that's why he's praying like for, or he's asking for, for prayer, for protection basically, because, because some people saw what, what Paul was doing as, as blasphemous. He's, he's afraid. Verse 32, then by the will of God, I will be able to come to you with a joyful heart and we will be an encouragement to each other. That word um, encouragement in the original language of the Bible means to like to, to rest together, to, uh, to refresh one's spirit with. So he wants to um, go fellowship with the Roman church so that he can be restored spiritually because he, he's, he's feeling worn down, he's, he's, feeling, he's feeling it, right? He, he, wants, he wants to recharge before his next missionary assignment begins. Uh, verse 33, and now may God who gives us peace be with you all, amen. So Paul's telling the Roman church that he wants to see them and he hopes that it works out. He hopes that it works out for, for him to be there, but he's been busy with the call of God on his life. He's been busy preaching the gospel to Gentiles. 
He's, he's on his way to Spain, and he makes his intention to stop and see the Roman church very clear, but he, he's had something that, that God's put inside of him that he needs to get out. It, it needs to come out, and, and he's just explaining all of that. So he's walking in the will of God, and I'm thinking about that this week. I'm like, what is the will of God? Because I think, I think that term can get used a lot without people really understanding what it means. What is the will of God? The word will is defined as this in the dictionary. It's the thing that one desires or ordains. The thing that one desires or ordains. God has ordained specific things from the very beginning for you. He's ordained specific things from the very beginning for me. He's planned very specific things. And the Apostle Paul understood the importance of living inside of those plans, living inside of the will of God. And from what I've just read, it's clear to me that he took living inside the will of God very seriously. The Apostle Paul took living inside the will of God very, very seriously. He knew what God was calling him to do, and he obeyed immediately. He knew what God was calling him to do, and he obeyed it immediately without question. As a follower of Jesus, when, when he becomes more and I become less... I need to make sure I'm living inside the will of God. As a disciple of Jesus, when he becomes more and you become less, you need to be sure you're living inside the will of God. It's so, so important to live inside the will of God. Today I want to look at two things the Apostle Paul knew about living in the will of God. The first thing is this. The Apostle Paul knew the priority of living in the will of God. The Apostle Paul knew the priority of living in the will of God. Romans uh, 15, verse 25 and 28, they say this, But before I come, I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. As soon as I have delivered this money and completed this good deed of theirs, I will come to see you on my way to Spain. After uh, his conversion uh, on the road to Damascus, nothing was more important to Paul than, than living in the call that God had placed on his life. That, that was inside the will of God for him to do. There's nothing more important to him. There's nothing more gratifying than knowing he's doing exactly what God created him to do, to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. As a disciple of Jesus, nothing should be more important to me than living inside the will of God. As a disciple of Jesus, nothing should be more important to you than living inside the will of God. Nothing. It needs to be our foremost priority. Now, first of all, we need to understand that we are adopted into the family of God. And, and as children of the Most High God, we yield, to his, we yield to his will, not the other way around. As children of the living God, we yield to his will. Whatever he wants goes, and we, we submit to it. What I want takes a back seat. What I want becomes secondary. What I want becomes submitted to God. That's how it works. Not that our plans are bad or wrong. Not that, not that what I want personally is wrong. It's just that it may not be God's plans. Um, I've, I think I've shared this story before, um, but I'm going to share it again because um, it, it's applicable with, this, applicable with this idea of making the will of God a priority or, or knowing the priority of the will of God. Um, when I was 18 years old, uh, my, my dream for my life was to play college football. Um, and then I met Jesus, and I knew that he was, he was calling me to do uh, a discipleship program uh, at the church that I got saved at. And um, 
called Master's Commission. And my plan, my plan was that after I did a year of Master's Commission, I was going to enroll in the University of Nebraska, and I was going to walk onto the football team, and I was going to play football, college football. Now, on the surface, that's a really good plan. Go get my college education from a major university and play football, like, so I don't get in trouble, right? You know, like that, to me, that's a good plan. I think to a lot of other people, that's a really good plan. That's not the plan that God had for me. Playing college football, getting, getting my, my college degree from that university at that point in time was not God's plan for me. He had something else. And if I would have done what I thought was right, I would have been outside the will of God. If I would have done what I thought was right, I would have been outside the will of God. Would it have, been, would it have turned out bad? No. But it wouldn't have been the best. It, I would not have been living God's best plan for my life. He had something better, something I didn't see, something I didn't understand. Again, not that what I plan for myself is wrong. It just wasn't what God had. Not that what you're planning for yourself is wrong. May, it might not be what God has planned for you. Does your will line up with the will of God in your life? So why do we need to prioritize living in the will of God? Because when you, when you live in the will of God, it becomes a, a, a barrier of protection between you and spiritual harm. When you live in the will of God, it becomes a barrier of protection between you and spiritual harm. When you live in the will of God, you can count on the safety of, of being in the will of God. You can count on knowing that, that he's always got you. You can be ca- confident in that. Now, to be, to be clear, I'm not saying when you're living in the will of God, bad things won't happen. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when you live in the will, will of God, you cannot be spiritually harmed. When you live in the will, will of God, you cannot be spiritually harmed. So that's the first thing the Apostle Paul knew about living uh, in the will of God. He, he understood the priority of it. He understood it had to be the most important thing in his life. The other thing he knew about living in the will of God is this. The Apostle Paul knew the prosperity of living in the will of God. He knew the prosperity of living in the will of God. Romans 15, 29 says this, And I'm sure that when I come, Christ will richly bless our time together. Now, there's a ton of heat around this word prosperity in the church world. Um, around the, the 60s or 70s uh, was a, a rise in what's called the prosperity gospel. And um, if you don't know what prosperity gospel, prosperity theology is, it's this idea amongst some Christians uh, where they believe that financial blessing is the will of God always. That physical like uh, well-being is the, the will of God always. And that if, if, you're not, if you're not financially blessed, if you don't have a lot of money, then you're not in the will of God. You're, you're not being blessed. But, you know, that kind of thing. Like that's, that's what this prosperity gospel, prosperity theology is. And there are a lot of people that believe it and they, they follow it. That's not the prosperity that I'm talking about. That, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. God never promises us riches. He never promises uh, us well-being. Um, he never says that financial success is a sign of, of divine favor or anything like that. That's not the prosperity I'm talking about. The kind of prosperity I'm talking about, the kind of prosperity the Apostle Paul knew was the spiritual prosperity of living in the will of God. The spiritual prosperity of living in the will of God. Uh, one like, a kind of prosperity in, in which God takes you deeper and deeper into relationship with himself. It's not just about 
eking your way through life and surviving, but it's getting to know the living God more and more every day, that kind of spiritual prosperity. This is the kind of spiritual prosperity that God talks about in the Old, Old Testament book of Jeremiah. This is a really, really popular verse, even amongst uh, unchurched people, amongst uh, non-believers. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. He said this to his people who were in exile. They were in a country far away from their own country. And he said this, I'm going to give you prosperity. But he's not talking about financial prosperity. He's not talking about physical well-being. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about spiritual prosperity completely in which no matter the circumstance, God is always our king. He's always our guide. He's always got us. He's always looking out for us. That's the kind of prosperity God's talking about in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. That's the kind of prosperity that the Apostle Paul is talking about. That's what he knew. Walking in the will of God allows you to live in your purpose. Walking in the will of God allows you to live in your purpose. It allows you to know the exact reason you're here. And when you know the exact reason you're here and and you're living in your purpose on a daily basis, you become exactly who God created you to be. That is spiritual prosperity. Being the exact person God created you to be is spiritual prosperity. I think about it like I think about it like this. Why do birds fly? Why do waves crash on the shore and then recede back into the ocean? Why do trees um, sprout leaves every spring and then lose their leaves every fall? Birds fly because God created them to fly. Spiritual prosperity. Why do waves crash? Because God created the waves to crash. Why do trees cycle through their leaves? Because God created them to. When when creation lives in its created purpose, it's worship to him and it's spiritual prosperity. We are the only beings on earth that get to choose whether or not we live our created purpose. We're the only beings on earth that get to choose whether or not we live in our created purpose. But when we live in our created purpose, there's spiritual prosperity and it's worship to our God. Well, Pastor Ryan, did he create us? Who did he create us to be? Who did he create me to be? You can find that on page one of the Bible. Genesis chapter one, verse 26 and 27. He created us to be his living representation here on earth. He created us to be the image of himself here on earth. That's who he created you to be. That's who he created me to be. I'm a living, breathing image of God on earth, and he's uniquely fashioned us to represent specific attributes about himself. Let me say that again. He's uniquely fashioned us to represent specific attributes about himself, specific parts of his character. I think of, uh, is is she in here? Sue. Is Miss Sue in here? Sue McThaney? Where? Sue. I look at you, and I know that God is an amazing servant because you're an amazing servant and you represent that part of God. Seriously. Miss Teresa, you're going to hate that I'm calling you out. But I look at the way you live your life and I can tell by looking at you that God is patient and he's kind because you're patient and kind. Dylan, I look at you, I look at the way you live your life and I know God loves to have fun because you love to have fun. I mean, there's more to you than that, but that's the thing to me that I'm like, man, this is, Dylan is proof that God loves to have fun. Pastor Richard, I look at you and know that all wisdom comes from God because you're so 
wise. Like we are the attributes of God. We get to embody the attributes of God. And, and when we're living in our created purpose, it's emphasized, it comes out. People get to see who God is when we live in our purpose. And that's living inside the will of God. I could go on and on and on, but my point my point is, is when you're operating in the will of God, when you're being who God had created you to be, we get to enjoy all the benefits of it. We get to enjoy all the benefits of, of being in the will of God, and we get to live in spiritual prosperity. Um, worship team, you can come to the platform. So the Apostle Paul knew the priority of living in the will of God. He knew it was the most important thing that he could do. And the Apostle Paul knew the prosperity of living in the will of God. He knew that, that it was so, so important. That's my prayer for us, that we would understand the priority of it, that we would understand the prosperity of it. What if we actually prioritized living in the will of God? What if we actually made it a priority in our lives to live in the will of God, not, not to, to you know, execute our own plans, but but to defer ours and ask God, God, what do you have? God, what do you have for me today? God, what do you have for me this week? God, what do you have for me this month, this year? God, what do you have for my life? Instead of pursuing my own plans, my own desires, God, what do you want? What if, what if we actually prioritize that? What if it, living in God's will and not our own was actually the most important thing in your life? How, how would things be different? What if it was more important than your job? What if it was more important than your bank account? What if it was more important than your hobbies? What if? How would things be different? How much better would things be? How much simpler would things be? Could you imagine truly knowing the prosperity of living in God's will? Knowing what it feels like to be who God created you to be. Knowing, knowing what, who exactly you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do for God in this world. Could you imagine knowing that? The freedom, the freedom in that. Your faith would, would never be mundane. It would never get old. It would never get boring. Never. Man, living in the will of God is the best way to live. It's literally living your best life. Like that, that phrase gets thrown around a lot. Oh, I'm living my best life and, you know, on Instagram. You know, like living my best life. But like, Living in the will of God is literally living your best life. It's li living life the way God intended you to live it. That's what living in the, in the will of God is. Living life the way God intended you to live it. Knowing the priority of living in the will of God, knowing the prosperity of living in the will of God. Let me pray for you today. God, we love you. We thank you for... Um, we thank you for this day, God. We thank you um, that you have a, a good and pleasing and perfect will for us. You have a specific purpose. You have specific plans for our life. And God, I pray today, if, if anybody's in the room struggling with that idea of submitting their plans to you or, or deferring our plans and 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 embracing yours, God, I pray that you would just overwhelm them right now with the peace of the Holy Spirit. Overwhelm them with your love. Let them know that, that you're with them. 
that God, you don't, you don't need anything from them. You just want the best for them. You want the best for us. You want the best for me. God, remind me of that. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I forget that you want the best for me. God, I pray that this would become reality in our lives and make, making your will a priority and understanding the prosperity of living in your will. Thank you, God. What we're going to do right now is we're just going to take uh, a moment to respond. And I, I want to encourage everyone, don't, don't leave just yet. Um, we're not quite finished. Um, we're going to take a moment to respond in just, just a, a minute. Um, but before we do, we're going to observe communion. Um, so if you have your communion emblems, you can get those prepared right now. If you don't, um, maybe raise your hand and, and uh, someone will get you a, a communion emblem. But um, Revelation chapter 1 verse 18 says this, I'm the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. That's what communion's about. Communion is about Jesus overcoming death, hell, and the grave. And every time we receive communion, we're proclaiming that victory over death. We're proclaiming that victory over sin. He overcame darkness. He silenced fear. That's what it's about. And I just want to take a moment really quickly to just reflect on that. Let's just take a moment in your own way. Just remember that right now. Uh, we're going to do that uh, just silently for about 15, 20 seconds. Just Let's just take a moment right now. Before we uh, partake of the communion uh, elements, I wanna, I wanna let you know, here at Anchor, we practice open communion. And what that means is you don't have to be a member of this church to practice. You don't have to like, <laughs> like you don't have to like sign any paperwork or anything like that. If you're a, a member of the body of Christ, we can we can um, receive communion together today. And so, um, as we prepare our emblems, I want to remind you what Jesus said on the night that he was going to be betrayed. He was having dinner with his disciples, and he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces and he gave little pieces to each of his disciples. And he said, "This is my body." which I'm giving up for you. He said, when you eat it, do that in remembrance of me. Do that to remember what I, I did for you, what I'm doing for you. Can we partake of the bread together right now? same way after uh, supper he took the cup he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you the, the cup we have juice in in scripture Jesus used wine it represented the blood that he was about to spill to cover our sins so as we partake of the cup together let's remember that sacrifice he made let's partake together this morning Father God, thank you. Thank you um, for the sacrifice you made, Jesus. Thank you that you've 
you've made a way for us to remember. You've made a way for us to, to recall to memory what you did for us. And I pray, God, that that reality would become clearer and clearer every day to us, that you gave up yourself, that we might not have to be separated from you. We love you, God. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. What we're going to do right now is we're just going to, we're just going to take time to respond. The, the worship team is going to lead us in a song. I want to encourage you, take some time to pray. Um, if you need to sit and meditate, do that. If you want to sing with a song, do that. But let's not rush through this moment. Let's, um, it's only going to be a couple minutes, and then I'll come back up and I'll officially dismiss. But um, let's allow the Holy Spirit to do work inside of us in the morning. Stand with me if, you, if you'd like. You can have it all. You can have it all. You know, Robin just reminded me of, of something that I think is a perfect illustration uh, of this, this message. Last week, Titus asked us a question with a little bit of sadness. And he, he said, Mom, Dad, why did we have to move away from our family? And we spent, we spent some time explaining to him what God called us to do and that being obedient to God is the most important thing we could do. And that it doesn't always feel good. Being obedient doesn't always feel good. It's not always going to make the most sense on the surface, but it's the best way to live. And and it is. It's it's difficult to live away from family. It's difficult to live away from the place we called home, but we know that there's prosperity in in us being here. Spiritual prosperity because God called it. God God called us to it. He ordained it. He planned for this. So we're going to trust him. So my encouragement is to you is even if, even if the will of God doesn't feel good in the moment, even if, it, even if it doesn't feel right, trust it. Trust him because he has your best interests in mind and he wants only good things for his kids. Let me say one last prayer. Oh, let me really quickly, next steps. I have a few next steps for us this week. Um, and these next steps are just tangible things that we can do to take the message and apply them. The first one is this week I'll memorize Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. He's got prosperous plans for you. The next one is this week I'll pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the, the will of God for my life. I think there are so many Christians who go through life not even understanding that God's got so much more for them. I want to encourage you, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what his will is for you. And then lastly, today I will make or I will take a moment to honor my father or a father figure in my life. Uh, it's Father's Day, so I want to encourage you. Um, honor a father today. Um, I don't have a father to honor, um, so I'm going to honor uh, a mentor in my life who was like a father figure to me. Um, I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Whether, whether you are um, blessed enough to have your dad or a father in your life, or you've got somebody who has been a father figure, encourage and, and love on a father figure today. So um, let me pray one more time and we can be done. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you for your will, that, that it is perfect, and that you 
desire that we live inside your will because it's the best way to live. I pray, God, that you would help us to know what that means. You would help us to understand it uh, more and more um, and help us to yield to you and your will, God. We love you. We give you praise, God. In Jesus' name. And finally, may you understand the priority of God's will in your life. May you live in the prosperity of God's will and may the peace, may the God of peace be with you all. Amen and amen. Have a great Sunday, guys. Thanks for worshiping with us. We will see you next time.